Hello and welcome to 10 out of 10. I'm Ben and thank you so much for tuning in. This episode, I'm going to talk to you about class. And no, I'm not talking about school, obviously. I'm talking about class structure, mobility, and its role in American life. But first, please subscribe, rate five stars, and share this podcast if you like what you hear. And also if you don't, because let's face it, either way, I'm happy. Point one, class is hard to define. So before I get into American class and all that stuff, I think it's important to get a clear class structure that's easy to understand and visualize. And honestly, I think communism would be the best example to like look at those writings. So through the writings of Karl Marx and those that followed him, we can start to understand class. Now, I don't agree with anything Marx says really, But that doesn't mean his writings aren't a good point of learning. So for Marx, there are three classifications of people and there are two main classes. That might not make sense, but just like, you know, bear with me for a second. So I want to look at Marx because he's very, he is very like rudimentary about how he defines class. And so I think it's a, it's easy to understand. I think that's why it's, uh, it's very palpable. So that's why we're going to look at it. So the two classes for Marx are the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. The bourgeoisie are the upper class. Think of like the oil barons of the world. You know what I mean? The people in charge. The proletariat, on the other hand, are like the 90% other that are just the workers. But there are those in the bourgeoisie for Marx that disagree with it. And those are the communists. So that's the three different classifications and the two classes. Get what I'm saying? So Marx actually, he, when he's writing about this, he actually has a horrible opinion of the proletariat. And he basically calls them stupid, says they're too stupid to rise up. And he compares them to like the dust of the earth. So, you know, you can really tell he has a lot of admiration for them. But anyways, that's a whole nother topic. Anyways, this is a very simplistic way of thinking about communism. Obviously, there are more subcategories it's a lot more complicated. There are subgroups such as like the petite bourgeoisie who kind of like straddle the line. But in my opinion, I, as I was saying, I think Marx does a good job when he's talking about the broad classes of people in the industrial world. However, I don't think he does enough. He, as I was saying earlier, he's very simplistic in his understanding. He doesn't really break down the groups. He does, but he doesn't do it in the way I think is, well, appropriate. And that leads to him reaching a lot of misguided conclusions. Point two, America does have a class system. While I do believe class mobility is possible, you know, I can see it with my own parents. A a lot of us hear these stories of people, you know, growing up dirt poor and getting to the top. That we hear about that, but it's kind of rare, honestly. That doesn't mean that the class system, you know, doesn't exist. If you see someone poor getting rich, it isn't something that is like sanctioned by government, the class system, but it's something that exists. Just, you know, look at statistics surrounding success rates in life. When you have successful parents, you're more likely to be successful. And, you know, that's a pretty generic term success. But the way I'm going to define it is success, you know, going to college, owning property, having kids, being married, you know, that the the stereotypical American dream, I think 
really encapsulate success. Now, that might not be important to everyone. You know, last week I talked about motivation and how people are motivated by different things. But I think we can all agree that if you get those things, you know, marriage, if you're married, you own like a house, kids, hoopla, white picket fence, you know what I'm talking about. And more often than not, you know, you look at the statistics, a person who is born into a household with successful parents is going to at least reach the same level and probably build upon it. That's, I think that is the American dream, actually. You have parents and you, you do better than your parents. I think, that's, I think that's the goal of a lot of parents. They want their kids to be as or more successful than them. But, you know, class in America is really, it's really hard because of how broad of a country we are. And as I'm going to get into this in this episode, there are different types of upper class in America, by my understanding. A lot of this is regional, by the way. So making $100,000 in New York City is a lot different than making $100,000 in Omaha, Nebraska. But anyways, in the U.S., I see three different types of upper class in this country. And through the next few points, I'm going to be talking about each of them because I think it's, it's good to understand it. Point three, to be in the upper class, and by that I mean you know the general upper class in America that I'll be subdividing, you need to be wealthy, moderately wealthy. Now, I'm not talking about like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk wealthy, but I'm talking like making a quarter of a million dollars a year. No matter where you are in America, if you have over $250,000 income in a single year, you're upper class. I don't think most people would disagree with that. I think the bar could probably be lowered a little bit, but I think that's a good, that's a good starting point. That puts you well above the median household income, the average household income. But wealthy wealth in this country doesn't necessarily mean you're in charge of this country. Which takes me to the next point, point four. The ruling class in America are not necessarily the wealthiest Americans. So by ruling class, by definition, are the ones who, you know, are ruling, they're in charge. They do what the donor class wants, and I'm going to break that apart. So by rule, I mean these are like the government workers that are heads of agencies. They're members of Congress. Now, I know members of Congress make less than $200,000 a year, but, you know, I'm grandfathering them in because most of them have outside income that makes them over the quarter of a million. The ruling class in America is honestly probably the most prestigious. It's the only remnant we have of the British Parliament, the nobility, because they have titles, congressman, congresswoman, senator, you know, speaker, secretary. This is the group with manners, and as I said, prestige. Point five, donor class, you know, as I mentioned, controls the ruling class, but that doesn't, you know, the... What I, what I mean by that is the ruling class does, you know, the dirty work of the donor class. The American donor class, I would define as generational or, you know, a dynasty. This would be the Kennedys after leaving office. So they were ruling, they went to that. This is the Walton family. You know, they own Walmart. This is like family wealth. This class, you know, they... They're closely aligned with the ruling class, obviously giving money and support and donations, sometimes moving between the two. 
but it's a lot easier for someone in the donor class to become a member of the ruling class than a ruling class person to become a member of the donor class. For example, the governor of Illinois, Governor Pritzker, he's in a family with like several billionaires due to generational wealth. I think they own the some hotel chain and he entered the ruling class, but he was a part of the donor class. I think his sister is actually in Biden's cabinet. She has some, it's probably just uh, some position they gave out because she donated money. Although this class is wealthy, it is more concerned with traditional roles of wealth. You know, going to the Hamptons and stuff. Point six, this is another type of the upper class. The entertainment slash tech class. They are equally as wealthy as the donor class, but they're a lot more different than they are similar. The, I, I group the entertainment and tech together because this group is known as like the new money. The donors and the, the ruling class, as I said, are generational, it's prestigious, it's you know remnants of the British royalty, if you know what I mean. That doesn't necessarily mean they're like lords and ladies, but it's, I think we can all tell a difference between someone who's in tech and someone who's you know, great-grandfather was an oil baron. The entertainment and tech class would be like the Snapchat guys who are billionaires from selling the app. And also, you know, like the Kardashians. These are extremely wealthy people, but they made their money off advertising and not like industry. Actually, you know what? I feel like that's a good way to think about it. The new, the new money class is a product of the new economy. Whereas the old money or, you know, like the donor class have made their wealth from, you know, actual physical products or services. So like the Vanderbilt railroads. Let me just say for a moment, many of the tech billionaires are also from the donor class. Like if anyone you know that's a billionaire, Mark Zuckerberg, for example, who went to Harvard, you know, dropped out. Well, his parents were loaded anyways. That's why he was able to do a lot of the things he did. Point seven, the final group of the upper class is the most common in my opinion, but also the most hated. This is the, the middle class to upper class, the transitional class. It's people that had, you know, middle class, upper middle class parents who built on that and became part of the upper class. These are the people I think we see a lot. These people grew up in a, you know, well-to-do household and they built on that. As I was saying earlier, it's like the American dream. They go on vacations, you know, they live in really nice houses, but they still live with the middle-class people. This means we have more contact with them. And as a result, they're more hated. You might think I'm crazy, but let me, let me give you an example. So it's your mom or dad's boss. You know, the, the doctor that your mom works for that doesn't seem like he does very much. You know, he has his own practice. He still has, you know, seemingly unlimited money, goes on trips and stuff. Then this is, this is like your uh, dad's, dad or mom's boss that, you know, invites the family over. And they have an amazing house. It's really nice, big fireplace, you know, whatever. This is the rich people that, you know, we see. 
Do you get what I'm saying? You don't see Mark Zuckerberg. You don't see a Mark Zuckerberg. You don't see a billionaire in your life normally. You might, but it's it's a rare occurrence. I think that the, just the contact with them does something to the psyche where we think it's not fair. You know, like, oh, they have so, they don't do as much as our parents because obviously we think our parents do a lot. They don't do as much as me, but they just have this. I think that's why they're hated. And to be completely honest, that's really childish. And also most of the time incorrect. I think, I don't know why it is, but you know, these like uh, doctors, lawyers, business owners, whatever, they're, they're not the ones that make your life harder. They're not the ones that are increasing the price of, you know, like the goods that we're buying. That's a result of the other upper class people. They're actually probably the ones that help you the most. When a, when a business owner, someone that owns a business, has employees, when they know their employees, they're going to be nicer to them. They're going to be nicer to them. Because it's it's not just like a salary sheet that they see and they go, oh, well, salary is $50 million or, you know, whatever Mark Zuckerberg sees when he sees how much he's paying his employees. The, it's not like a number, like when Jeff Bezos sees we have like 50,000 workers and blah, blah, blah. It's a person. It's someone you see, you say, hi, good morning. It's a person you see every day. You know the names of their kids. You know the names of their parents. You probably know where they grew up. And probably what side of town they're living in. You know what I mean? That's why it's, it's, it's the borderline class that's the most hated. But I, I, I don't understand. I understand why, but I just feel like it's... It's not necessary. We see all these signs like, you know, eat the rich or whatever. And it'll people will be like, oh, yeah, I hate Jeff Bezos. But I, I don't know. If you talk to someone, they just don't hate them as much as they hate this, like, local wealthy person. It's, a, it's the borderline class. And they're probably the best for society. I also think it's a major reason why you know they're despised is because people like jeff bezos who are notorious for being bad bosses he like tracks his employees to see if they take bathroom breaks and like docks their pay allegedly do you get what i'm saying like jeff bezos isn't a real person for a lot of us he's a character can't really hate like a tv character you can but it's more of like it's not real so I think I'll call this class the transitional class, which brings me to point eight. That transitional class is better for America if they would replace Jeff Bezos with like 5,000 bosses from the transitional class. America would be better off, which is why we should be supporting small businesses. Now I get everyone says that, but I'm talking realistically. For me, for example, I'm someone who loves coffee get coffee a lot. And recently I've been trying to go to like local spots instead of Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Service is normally better. It also puts my money towards a person, not a corporate machine that doesn't care about their employees. But it also, you know, it's walking the walk. Everybody says they support small businesses. Politicians always say that small businesses are the backbone of America. 
So maybe we should, you know, put a brace on the back because the backbone's basically broken. Point nine, choose to be inspired by the transitional class instead of other types of the upper class. This is going to make you more likely to see a tangible person. As I was saying earlier, Jeff Bezos is a character. He's, uh, he's not real. He's real, but he's not tangible. Elon Musk isn't tangible. Everybody loves Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like not a real person. But these, these local business owners that we know are, they're successful. And I think it would make a lot of people happier if we started looking towards them instead of looking towards being a Jeff Bezos, being a, uh, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street guy. I like that movie, but I don't want to, that guy seems like he has a horrible life. No side note, but most of those guys, most of these people that are super successful are divorced and if they aren't distracting themselves enough, you know, at all times, they're probably going to jump off a balcony because they're how alone they really are. I, I really don't think most of these people are happy. Point 10. This week, I'm going to hand out my 10 out of 10 ranking to everyone that puts down their head, you know, puts their head down, and just does work. Anyone that doesn't work you know, to rule the world, but just work so they have enough, you know, spare change to have a family, hang out with their friends. There's nothing wrong with being successful. I, I want to harp on that. I feel like I might have been a little bit down. But there is something wrong with just, I don't know, just being a Jeff Bezos for no reason. It's so much better to just be part of that transitional class that I was talking about. You're going to be happier. Most of us are going to be happier. I understand there are some people that are just built as machines to just, like, that's their life. But I I don't think that's the life for many people. And with that, I'm all out of points. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Give me a five-star ranking on, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever that happens. And as I said, share this podcast if you hate it. (laughs) Uh, You guys are all 10 out of 10s in my book. Talk to you next week.